Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley Fox, and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled, I have Portia Brown with me. Portia is the founder of Froetic Sexology, which is a blog and social media platform that helps women and femmes identify who they are as sexual beings. Portia works primarily as a sex educator and sex coach and believes we are all deserving of pleasure. Portia, can you please tell the listeners what brought you to this work? Of course. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, I'm always so excited to have these kinds of conversations. As far as what brought me to this work, I, it's kind of a long-winded story, so I'll keep it kind of short, but all of my life, well, probably since I was 11 or 12 years old, I've been reading and studying sex and I always blame my mother. It is her fault that I'm like this. She, like a lot of moms of, you know, 90s kids, I'm a 90s baby. She didn't didn't really have the words or the language to tell me what I needed to know about my body as I was starting my period, about sex and sexuality. But my mom is brilliant and she knew I needed to know something. So she gave me a lot of books. A lot of them were age appropriate for the time, but it instilled in me this idea that like, oh, the, the like talk your parents give you that only happens in sitcoms. What parents really want you to do is like read and educate yourself. So by the time I was, I don't know, maybe starting high school, so 14, 15, I had read almost every sex and biology related book in my local library. And I was educating myself um, about sexuality, about Um, maturing bodies and sort of figuring out what was going on as I was hitting puberty and a bit beyond. And it didn't really settle in with me how, I don't want to say advanced, but I had a little more information than my peers had. And it didn't really hit me that that was the case until I got to college. And I would be having conversations with my girlfriends at the time. And I started to notice that there would be this kind of pause when someone would ask a question and everybody would kind of tilt their eyes towards me and wait for me to share the information that I knew about whatever it was, whether it was orgasms or lube and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, damn, I kind of know some things. I'm like 22 years old. And I'm like, oh, I kind of know. I seem to know a little bit more than other other girls and women my age. Um, so eventually I started volunteering on my campus. I started Um, you know, continuing to deepen my education and knowledge base through reading, through peer interactions, and things like that. And at the time, I was going to school to be a journalist. And that ended up being the first part of my career. And when I chose to separate from that field, the obvious answer was to do something with sex and sexuality. So I started blogging, I started writing about it, I started my Instagram account, and it all sort of snowballed into full-time coaching and sex education, which if you would have told me, I don't know, three years ago that this is what I'd be doing full-time, I would have laughed. So it's really partly fate and partly my mom's fault that I'm a sex coach. (laughs) (laughs) That's so beautiful. I I love that story because it's not even that it was a decision, it was just a journey and that's where you ended up. And I think that's so special. And I love looking at all your, um, your posts and your Instagram, I think is very nourishing. Thank you. Thank you. It's been nourishing for me as well. I say that, 
you know, initially I started writing about sex and started Instagramming or Insta blogging about sex because I wanted to document my own growth and my own experiences. And it just so happened that, you know, people could connect with it. And I think it's definitely something that needs to be put out there more. Absolutely. Agreed. It's needed. This work is definitely needed. So today we're going to discuss pleasure rituals and how you as listeners can create them for yourselves. Portia, can you just tell us what a pleasure ritual is? Yes. So this, actually this concept and this idea came from a lot of my clients who struggle to remain present either during solo sex or during partnered sex. And one of the ways that I encourage them to explore that more and find their own solutions to that problem is through a pleasure ritual of some kind that they have every week, every day, or however frequently they need. So it's really fluid and it's really flexible and it's really about what you need as a person, but regularly having an opportunity to engage in some form of intimacy with yourself, I would say is a loose definition of a pleasure ritual. And it can be anything. It can be um, engaging with food. It can be a really immaculate bubble bath. It can be a date you take yourself on, or it can be really elaborate solo sex with all bells and whistles and lubes and toys. It really just depends what it is that you need. So the idea is each day you would do something different or would you kind of repeat the same one it again it depends on what you need for me I like to do the same things weekly so I spend usually I'll do a bubble bath with myself every Friday night or every Saturday evening just sort of to mark the end of the week and I pull out all my incense, all my candles, all of the things and indulge in that way with myself and I carve it's kind of a hard and vast moment for what people would call self-care, what I call, I refer to it as self-preservation, because to me, it's much more than just caring for yourself. It's really preserving who you are, a piece of who you are. And the, the idea is really centered around our intentions. It doesn't really matter what the act is, but are you trying to be truly present during that time? Are you Number two, engaging as many of your senses as you can, right? Part of the problem when we can't ground ourselves or feel really um, in line, in alignment with our bodies is we are ignoring our senses. And that's how we connect with the world around us, right? Through smell, through taste, touch, vision, and hearing. So finding ways to draw all of those things in during your pleasure ritual help yourself ground in your body and connect with the sensations you're feeling um, and have the intention of being present, putting your phone away, not looking at social media, not letting your brain just sort of wander off and do these things, but really trying to ground yourself in the pleasurable sensations, whether they be food and you're eating something mindfully or a bubble bath or whatever you decide to design that intention around. Mm, it's so beautiful and I do the same thing I have I have a bath every Friday evening and it's like my transition into the weekend and it really just allows my nervous system to know yes we're there we made it another week yeah and for me I choose I choose the end of the week because I've become very very um rigid around 
shutting things off, not looking at emails, not responding to Instagram DMs and like being like work is done and pivoting to pleasure, relaxation, recharging, resetting for the weekend. And that's the way I've designed my life. But I do need a point of transition. I need a point of pivot where I can actually communicate to my mind and body. Okay. It's time to shut off the go, go, go. It's time to turn off, you know, the energizer, energizer bunny and me that being a solopreneur and a coach requires. And now it's time to refuel, refuel, recharge and focus on me. So I agree with you. It's, it's a way to like, remind yourself that there's this other part of you that needs to be fed. And now it's time to do that. But your pleasure ritual doesn't have to be at any given day of the week. It can be a daily practice. It can be a morning practice, but having a regular time that you say, I'm going to be present and I'm going to focus on my senses and the sensations in my body is what it's about. Mm. Yeah. And I've noticed from working with clients, um, how, this does not come easily <laughs> to many people. It's something that we have to like remind ourselves on or force ourselves to do because um, I don't know, culturally we're supposed to be working all the time and doing all the things and people feel guilty about dedicating this time to themselves. And I ask clients a lot, what, what do you do to relax? What do you do to calm down? And I give them different homeworks and they struggle doing the homework, right? So they come back, they're like, I really found it hard to find that 10 minutes to touch my body or that 10 minutes to do whatever it is. And it's, yeah, it's just, it just shows how culturally we've been made to think that that is not worth it when actually that is the healing capacity that we need to do everything else. Absolutely. And we, I think you hit the nail on the head. First of all, it's hard for me sometimes <laughs> to be present. It's hard for me sometimes to not let my brain sort of wander off. Um, and it's because we as a culture don't prioritize or value doing things for the sake of pleasure and doing things for the sake of doing them. A lot of what we see as, you know, pedestaled or praised is doing things for a goal-oriented reason, for some sort of end product, some sort of end goal. And for a bubble bath, for enjoying a delicious meal, for listening to your favorite record or giving yourself a self-massage or self-love in some way, there's no real like goal at the end. If you're doing it correctly, you're doing it for the sake of the sensation, for the sake of the pleasure, and not necessarily some end product. And so we, it's not wired in our brains to value that as a practice. It's not wired in our brains to do that as something we see as necessary, like you said, necessary for our healing. Um, and that's why people have a hard time with it because we have to reprioritize what is important to us. Doing things, doing things for the sake of pleasure is something that should be important to us all because pleasure is healing, right? One of my favorite authors and activists and like my shero is Adrienne Marie Brown. She's the author of uh, a couple of really great books. One of them is titled Pleasure Activism. And she says that, you know, pleasure is how we dip down and sort of pick up who we are before all of society's bullshit. She says it's who we are. It's how we discover who we are before the wound, I think is how she refers to it. And I really do believe that 
through pleasure, whether that be sexual pleasure or anything else, it's how we discover like, who is Portia? Who am I without all of the social conditioning that I've gone through now that I'm an adult? Wow. That was just, yeah, I love that so much. I'm almost like lost for words because I just resonate with everything you said so much. Um, and that book is on my, on my reading list. So hopefully I'll get to that soon. And I, I think that's exactly what it's all about. Just connecting to like this truest, deepest sense of ourselves that isn't um, what the job is or, you know, being a parent or being a friend and all these kind of roles and titles that we give ourselves, but actually we just are who we are. And it's actually, it's making me think of my cats because, you know, my cats only do stuff for pleasure, right? They play, they hug, they sleep, they eat, you know, that's amazing. They've really got this, but we, we load it with all these cultural messages and anxieties and goals and all these worries. And, that's what takes us away from this innate natural being. Yeah. And also separates us from each other too. And this is again from the book Pleasure Activism, which it's a thick book. It can be really dense. I use it sort of as a reference. I read the essays as they come. It's not a sit down and read the whole thing kind of book, but you can still get a lot out of it. All right. That's my plug for the book, right? <laughs> um, for everyone listening, that's my plug for the book. But another thing that she says is like this decentering of pleasure help, keeps us from connecting with each other, which is, is again, what a lot of my clients and I'm assuming a lot of the people you work with as well, what they struggle with, right? Because they don't tap into pleasure and they don't have any rituals or routines that bring pleasure into their lives they don't know how to connect with the person they are then trying to make pleasure with or whatever that means right in that moment and it makes it that much harder because there's this added layer of now I have to deal with this person's needs too and I haven't even dealt with my own I don't even know how to investigate what brings me pleasure and joy and how to receive pleasure and joy. That's a whole other, we could talk for days about specifically how women and just people with vulvas in general are conditioned to not be able to receive anything, receive compliments. People, if, you, if I gave you a compliment right now, I'm sure you'd be like, oh, this dress I've had. Instead of just being like, thank you. And that's the end of the sentence. We can't receive anything without feeling guilt and shame. And that goes for pleasure as well. We feel guilty and our brains shut off the moment we try to experience pleasure and receive it from somebody else. Yeah. My mom is someone who feels, you know, she's brought up Catholic. So feels like a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. And what I've noticed is um, she listens to these, by the way. So I'm sure her ears will be <laughs> prickling when she when we get to this part um so when she goes to so say she goes to get her nails done for example it's almost like she feels like she has to justify it mm. she has to justify the reason that she gave herself the treat and I'm like yeah you go get your nails done like fucking do it you know we don't have to feel like we have you know deserve these things because why can't we just do things that we enjoy and things that give us pleasure and joy without feeling like we have to earn them yes Oh, you just said so much. And that's the other thing. Like, we feel like we have to earn our leisure time. Like, I remember a couple, probably as early as a, a year ago, I was struggling to be leisurely and like relax. Um, I used to time myself. Like, if I was going to watch TV, if I was going to sit on the couch and do nothing, 
I would literally, I'm not joking. I would set a timer and be like, all right, 45 minutes, then I have to go back to work. Um, or I would say, I need to do this thing to earn 15 minutes of watching TikToks, for example, right? And in reality, obviously watching TikTok, scrolling through my phone, maybe not the healthiest use of my time, but if it brings me joy and it brings me pleasure, I don't have to earn that. And I think that particularly in Western culture and capitalist culture, a lot of things are centered around, you have to earn this thing when pleasure is our divine birthright, right? Especially for people with vulvas, we're the only people on the planet who have an organ specifically designed for pleasure and nothing else. How are you going to tell me that pleasure is not my birthright when I come pre-designed in a body that is made to receive intense and life-changing pleasure that doesn't have to be earned, right? And the same goes for sex and sexuality. It's like we so often will say things like, I need to get to know this person better before I can you know, really let them in and let them make me orgasm, right? There's, I can pick that whole sentence apart from top to bottom. So I've heard so many clients say things like that to me. Well, I just think that I haven't, I don't, da, 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 da. I, this person hasn't earned the right to make me come. And I'm like, are they able to listen? Can you give clear directions? All right, that's all the earning you need to do in order to access your orgasm, right? And we just put a lot of limitations on ourselves in a lot of really insidious ways with that thinking, you know? And I think it's to do with what we culturally and societally compliment, you know? So if someone gets a pay rise or if someone gets a promotion, we're like, wow, you must've worked really hard. You did such a good job. But it's less frequent when someone's like, wow, you spent the weekend with your family. Like, that's such a great thing for you to do. You know, that's just less said and less vocalized. So we all have this kind of work mentality, you know, I do it as well, you know, I'm probably a bit of a workaholic, which I know is, is a strange thing as people who work in the kind of healing and looking after industry to admit, but I'm sure we're probably all the same self-employed, we all work our asses off. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, yeah, why, why can't we start to change what we're saying to other people? Like you had a weekend of fun, well done, like that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something we can begin to do as individuals. Like when our, I, I remember when I did work in an office and I'd come back and I, everybody's like, what did you do this weekend? And I'd say, oh, I really didn't do anything. I just relaxed. It was kind of like this flat reaction of like, oh, okay. When instead I would really love for us to start affirming each other for that. Wow. You took time for yourself and you watched two seasons of some Netflix show. Like good for you. I hope you feel recharged. I hope you feel renewed and refreshed. And I hope you discovered something new about yourself or the world during that time. Um, or if you went and you chilled with your friends at a cabin or whatever it is, right, that didn't prioritize work and productivity and yada, yada, yada. Affirm that in your circles. Begin to congratulate people for spending time with themselves and on themselves. Because just like you're saying, we live in a world where that is extremely hard and it's not something that we get praised for. We only get praised for being, you know, self-sacrificing and that just isn't fair. And that's just the wrong message to send to people. Yeah, so true. And even myself who knows all this stuff and is trying to kind of 
break out of my conditioning. Sometimes if my husband is just like, I don't know, on a weekday, if he puts on like a movie in the afternoon, I'm like, it's a Tuesday afternoon. What are you doing? And like <laughs> that's that subconscious conditioning is like he should be being productive. This is a Tuesday. Um, and then I have to remind myself, like, no, he wants to chill, and chilling is good for him, which is good for us anyway. But I yeah. have to do that consciously. It's not something that happens automatically, not yet. Yeah. And I think finding ways to consciously sort of break the rules and, and see that the world doesn't fall apart when we do like watching that movie at noon on a Tuesday or ending your workday prematurely or not responding to that email right, right away. Right. And just watching as the world doesn't fall apart helps remind us that we're human beings and like the system that we are in and the conditioning that we have tells us these messages, but we don't have to prescribe to all of it if it doesn't serve us, right? Or all of the time, it's okay to break away um, from some of that conditioning. And I think that we will find it easier and easier and easier to do so um, if we implement new rules for ourselves, like pleasure rituals, maybe your pleasure, maybe now that we're talking about this, maybe my pleasure ritual should be at like three in the afternoon on Tuesday instead of on (laughs) Friday, right? Because what does it matter when it is? I need, we all need to get better at shutting off the responsibility and having more control over those transitions, right? It's for me as well, as a person who coaches people on these things, it's extremely difficult for me to tap out and say, okay, I'm done working for the weekend. And that's why I have this, I have to have this elaborate ritual in order (laughs) to turn my brain off and turn on the relaxation part of my mind. Um, So I can only imagine how difficult it is for people who don't talk about this all day, who are in an office where everyone around them works in the same fashion and is always trying to be productive and it's and you're not allowed to go get up and go to the bathroom or grab a snack without people looking at you sideways, right? So it is, we have to give ourselves some grace and we have to give each other some grace because it's hard, because it's not the norm to relax, particularly during certain times of the day or week. Yeah, and I think that atmosphere at work that you're talking about in that example, I, that's already making all of the people in that environment ignore their body. You know, oh, I can't go to the toilet again because I just went and I don't want anyone to complain or I'm really thirsty, but I need to finish this email. And with every day that goes by, with the pressure of thinking, what we're wondering what other people are thinking, we're just ignoring and tuning out of our body even more each and every time. Wow, that's really something right there because that is, again, another layer of this conditioning to disconnect and disengage and plug into the machine, sometimes literally a machine and like our computers, especially now where more of us are working from home, we're so disembodied because we're in front of a screen, you know, all of the time. And it is really hard even at home to check in with yourself. And there are a lot of workplaces that are implementing all sorts of rules to help monitor people as they work from home at this point. And even in the office, it's, it's even worse. And I love these kinds of conversations because this is about pleasure and sex, but we're not really talking about pleasure and sex. We're talking about all these things around it that influence how we engage with pleasure and sex. And that's one of my favorite things about this work is it reminds us how interconnected all this stuff is, right? The rules at your job, 
it, they impact your sex life, right? That's how intertwined all of these things are. The social pressures you feel with your friends, it trickles down and it impacts your sex life. So how can you, you know, manipulate the rules that you have access to change so that you can be a better lover and be a better person to yourself more importantly? And that's exactly it. And carrying on your um, train of thought to the sex aspect, you know, if people are spending all day every day ignoring their bodies and then they go to the to have sex or to connect with their partner and, you know, they can't experience orgasm or they're feeling low sexual desire. Well, of course, because you've been ignoring your body, you know, five days a week or, seven, you know, 20 hours a day. And, you know, of, of course, you're not going to be able to feel that sensation. So by doing these um, pleasure practices, these rituals that we've been talking about are such beautiful ways to just, you know, even if it's five minutes or half an hour, you're taking that time to tune in and not have that kind of disconnect from your body. Yeah. And one thing that I, I advise people to do, because we can't always carve out 10 minutes a day. We can't all carve out two hours every week to engage in this way. And it doesn't always resonate with people, right? At least not right away. So I say, find something that you're doing anyway, every single day. And the examples I always give, um, so if you've heard me before, you know what I'm going to say, <laughs> are brushing your teeth and eating. We all should be doing those things at least at least once a day, right? So <laughs> I don't know about you, but so I have an electric toothbrush and it times to two minutes. Yeah. So I don't even have to pay attention to how long I'm brushing, which is convenient. It's great. And make sure that I get, you know, accurate time in, but I used to brush and like scroll through my phone, not even aware of like how long I was brushing on one side or the other. So finding a way to be more mindful, and this is, might sound silly, but be more mindful as you're brushing your teeth. What does the toothpaste even taste like? What color is it? What does it look like? What does it smell like? Is it minty? What kind of flavors do you have going on? How, does, how do you make sure you're brushing all of your teeth and equally like feeling that feeling of the toothbrush inside your mouth and on your tongue and all of those sensations? This is a really sensory experience of brushing and flossing and doing all those things. And the other thing is eating. A lot of times we eat in front of the TV. We eat while we're scrolling. If you're in a work environment, maybe you're talking to your friends while you're eating lunch and you're just like shoveling your salad into your face and not paying attention to like, what does this food look like? Am I eating a salad with bright, beautiful colors? What does it all individually look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What does the food feel like inside my mouth? The feeling of the flavors dancing on your tongue. Can you commit to once a week for one meal a day, actually engaging in your food and your entire meal in a mindful way? That's a pleasure ritual. You did it. You know, it doesn't have to be this big, ambitious, you know, ceremony for yourself. It can be if you're like me and you're, you know, you make excuses to find pleasure. All that's fine and good too, but can you commit to one meal a week eating mindfully? You would be surprised at how that trickles into your sex life and trickles into how much better your brain is wired to tune into pleasure and sensation. And that's really what it's about, right? Like you're saying, we spend so much time ignoring our bodies, not paying attention to our sensations or actively suppressing them, right? Like actively suppressing the fact that our feet hurt in our, in our heels that we wear to work, suppressing that we have to go to the restroom again, or that we're thirsty, right? Actively ignoring that. 
So how can we begin to tune in and tap in and create literally the wiring in your brain, the neurotransmitters? I don't know what the term terms are, but whatever those things are, so that your brain is ready to tune into pleasure when it's time for you to engage with your partner or with yourself. Yeah, it's just about normalizing it. So then when you do go to experience pleasure or sex on your own or with other people, the brain's like, yeah, we know how to do this. We've done this before. I've got your back. Let's go for it. Instead of it being this, oh, should I be doing this? I don't know. Actually, I should be doing this. And the washing up's not done because you've you've normalized it and the brain is used to it. And those pathways are created, as you say. And that's, that's everything, really. I think that's the part that we forget And we feel like, because people always say sex is natural, like everybody knows how, like that to a degree is true, but really being embodied during sex and being there and being present, that takes practice because we're not conditioned to really be in our bodies. So much of our lifestyle requires us to escape and go into our brains and our brains love patterns our minds love patterns so creating regular rituals where you're tapping in and like you said creating those pathways and strengthening them so that your brain is sort of trained it's like muscle memory it's like any other muscle in your body to tune into sensation and pleasure makes it that much easier and it's not necessarily something that comes natural to all of us and that's okay and we have to again give ourselves grace as we retrain and recondition ourselves Yes, everything, all of that, all of what you said. (laughs) I love talking about this. I don't know if you can tell. I feel like I'm like shouting. I think we probably both are doing a bit of shouting, but that's okay. (laughs) The listeners can hear the enthusiasm in our voices. (laughs) Well, it's been such a pleasure to have you here today. Um, I've loved every second of it. Can you tell the listeners how they can find you um, and join in with your offerings and things like that? Of course, of course. The easiest place to find me is on my website, froeticsexology.com. Um, I don't know if, you, if I should spell it, but it's F-R-O-E-T-I-C sexology.com. My Instagram handle is the same, at Froetic Sexology. Also, I am on Twitter, at Froetic Sexology. I do offer one-on-one coaching for women and femmes only, basically non-men, non-cis men. I I will work with you. Um, And you can find more info on that on my website, of course. Awesome. I'm going to post all of that in the show notes page um, so the listeners can easily find it. And it was just such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. I loved having this conversation. So thank you for having me on. 